This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. Picture a child's life and most of us will probably think of them in school or perhaps playing in the playground or in the field. But that's not the reality for some children, especially migrant and refugee children who are most at risk of being detained under immigration laws. With the Home Minister Dato Sri Saifuddin Nasution recently saying that the ministry plans to shift children detained in immigration depots into the care of NGOs, what might those alternatives look like? To dive into this issue, joining me on the show today is Anderson Silva-Segrim, Executive Director of Suka Society. Thank you so much for joining me today, Anderson. Now, help us to understand, I guess, what's happening here in Malaysia, right? Because we always read these news reports, you know, um, especially with the refugee and migrant crisis, um, in particularly across Europe. But that's also happening here in Malaysia, as we've seen. Um, but who are the children who are most at risk of being detained here in Malaysia and why? I mean, currently, Malaysian immigration law, uh, you know, does not discriminate in terms of uh, the people who are at risk of immigration detention and arrest. Uh, people seeking asylum, it could be a person who is undocumented, uh, migrant worker, um, but any, anyone uh, who do not have the right documentation, uh, legal status, are at risk of immigration detention arrest. Um, so, but this, so therefore, this would also mean that you know whether you're you're a child. You're a person who is seriously ill, mm-hmm. you know, mother with, uh, pregnant with, uh, you know, uh, with a child. Uh, you are all, I mean, this category of people are also at risk of immigration, detention and arrest. Mm. And when we talk about children being detained, right, What, where exactly are they being placed? And, and like you say, there's no distinction. So what does that mean? I think there are various immigration detention centres throughout the country. I mean, definitely they're placed within these uh, centres. Um, and uh, and within these centres, uh, you know, they are placed uh, with the general population, depending on their age and as well as gender. Mm. And if there's no discrimination within the law when it comes to the um, arrest or detainment of children, right, Does uh, do our laws say anything else about placing children under arrest or detention? Definitely, there are provisions in terms of where uh, where children can, uh, you know, can be, I mean, not just children, I think mm-hmm. people in general can be exempted from immigration detention and arrest. And that's where I think our Home Minister has used some of these provisions uh, to allow the release of children from immigration detention. Um, and I mean, mainly because this is also not something which is, uh, which is a trend uh, mm-hmm. internationally as well. I think there is a lot of movement away from immigration detention, looking at alternatives, uh, not just for children, but for people uh, as a whole. Mm. And we'll get to those alternatives in a bit. Um, but Anderson, you know, I have to ask, is detention of children justified at all in any circumstances? And I guess if it is, you know, what safeguards should be in place or is that in itself contradictory? Yeah, I mean, to me is that uh, I mean, our, our laws definitely allow the detention of children, uh, but there is no justification uh, for detaining children because we know that there are long-term negative effects when it comes to detention of children. Uh, and the other bit is that there is always det- there's, there are always alternatives. Mm-hmm. You know, there are alternatives out there, and so therefore, you know, rather than creating harm on children, it's good that we look at alternatives and see uh, what can be done for children. 
Mm. Having worked, um, you know, through Suka Society um, and working with, I guess, other NGOs as well, what have you observed when it comes to, I guess, detention conditions or how children are detained here in Malaysia? What are the main issues that you see? I think if you look at, for example, uh, Suhakam's report, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I think there are uh, definitely limitations in immigration detention. Um, I mean, the reality is that it's a place before a person is repatriated. Um, so therefore, um, we know that, you know, these are places where, you know, you're not going to have facilities where, you know, children can play, access education, uh, you know, or just being a child, mm. you know. And so therefore, uh, therefore, you know, the fact that it's a place where a child is detained means that it is not, it is harmful for them. It is not suitable for children to be there, you know, regardless of whatever can be done at immigration detention. Mm. What are the impact that you've seen? Um, let's talk short term first, right? How does it impact them in the immediate term, both physically and mentally? Yeah, I think the idea of uh, detention mm-hmm. uh, involves a high degree of uncertainty. I mean, the, the fact is that they are, pla- they are placed in detention centres and they do not know what's going to happen to them. And this creates a lot of fear, anxiety and definitely a lot of stress. Um, there is a loss of liberty, loss of control over their lives. And so therefore, it's very distressing uh, for people in general. Uh, you know, if a person is placed away from their community, we know that, uh, and the outside world, we know mm-hmm. that it will be lonely. W- there will be, uh, you know, you will feel depressed and de- despair as well. And, uh, you know, and, and, and these are just the impacts in terms of the psychological impacts. And we know that they're long-term wise, you know, it can turn into whether it's PTSD, trauma, uh, you know, developmental delays as well. Uh, so the whole process of being detained and kept is very disruptive for children and therefore, you know, uh, and therefore will have long-term consequences in terms of their future development and things like this. Mm. And these consequences are even those that could emerge even after they are released, right? Definitely. I mean, uh, I think there are evidence of children who are released from immigration detention, going through depression, you know, have uh, suicide ideation and things like this. And, uh, you know, and... And, and because it is traumatic, you know, uh, being separated from family, kept in a place uh, where it's not your usual community. And for adults, it is traumatic. And for children, it is even more traumatic to process these kind of circumstances, the incidences of what has happened to you, uh, you know, and it is uh, not easy uh, for them to journey and get some form of healing from this. Mm. For, I guess, very young children, um, some people might think, well, they may not be wholly aware of what's happening, right? Say like three or four or five years old. But is the situation also impacting them psychologically? I mean, it is. I mean, uh, I think if you have kids growing up, you know, whether you're talking about one years old, two years old, three years old, and Mm -hmm. so on, you know that the things you do, the things they experience do have an impact in their lives, you know, and it's not something where... Uh, we should just downplay it just because they are young. I mean, I think whatever the age may be, there are milestones which you want to you want to see an average child reach mm-hmm. and meet. But if you're in a place where there is, you know, uh, there is lack of resources, uh, you know, and the, situ- the and the conditions are not suited for children, these kids will miss these milestones, you know, and you know that what it, therefore it means is that there will be developmental delays which will uh, affect them long, longer term. Mm. And if we took if we talk about this issue from a rights perspective, right? Why is it important that we put an end to detention of children and find alternatives? I mean, to me, is that 
you know, if you're looking at rights, you know, we must always be looking at a child's best interest. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking from the perspective of child's best interest, you know that immigration detention will not be to the child's best interest. Uh, there are many other ways of doing so. I mean, internationally as well, I mean, immigration detention, the idea of detaining children uh, is, you know, it's not something which is practiced. It's a violation in many countries, you know, in terms of this practice. Uh, and it's something where our country should also move to. Uh, if we're talking about, you know, preserving the rights of children, the fact that we are signatories to the CRC, mm -hmm. uh, definitely we need to... Uh, we need to move towards a more right-based, a more best-interest kind of situation when it comes to in terms of tre treatment of children, regardless of uh, whatever status they may be. Mm. Do you think we've taken that approach much when it comes to children's issues here in Malaysia, a rights-based approach, I mean? I think we're increasingly uh, doing so. Mm -hmm. But I think what we want to see is that we want to see a rights-based approach to any child in Malaysia, mm -hmm. not just category of children. Uh, because at the end of the day, a child is a child, mm -hmm. you know, whether whatever the status may be. And that's what you want to see. And that's what you want to uh, see happening for every category of kids in Malaysia. As long as they're a child, you know, you want them to uh, enjoy the benefits of the CRC, for example, you know, and so therefore having uh, rights, having uh, laws put in place that is to their favour. Mm, all right. On the show with me today is Anderson Selvasegram, Executive Director of Suka Society, and we are discussing why children shouldn't be in detention centres. After the break, we'll dive into what the alternatives to detention look like, so keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. We are discussing why children shouldn't be in detention centres today following the Home Minister, Datuk Sri Saifuddin Asutian's recent statement that they are looking to shift children out of detention centres. And joining me to discuss this is Anderson Selvasegram, Executive Director of Suka Society. Now, Anderson, moving on to alternatives to detention, right? Ideally, what does that look like? I mean, I think the starting point is definitely, you know, just not arresting and detaining children. I think mm -hmm. that's important and as well as their families. Uh, there are, you know, many community-based programs out there uh, where it allows individuals, children, for example, uh, to live within the community while the immigration status is being processed. Uh, you know, there are also case management practices where uh, social workers, for example, uh, work with work with uh, work with them to navigate through the immigration process while they are located in uh, uh, you know within their communities within a safe environment. Um, I mean, there are many practices out there which falls within that line run by governments themselves, mm -hmm. um, and these are things that can be done uh, while the person goes through whatever legal or immigration process the person has to go through. So if I may just clarify, um, and, and I guess backtrack a bit, right? So you say that this a community-based system, for example, can be used to house these individuals as the processes are, are done by the government. So in the current system, then, as these processes are being done, children or adults are all being held in detention centres. Uh, yes, I mean, I mean, a detention center is a place before a person is repatriated. Uh, so, for example, if a person is, uh, you know, caught in, uh, you know, caught and arrest, arrested and detained, uh, therefore that, you know, process of going through uh, deportation and repatriation happens while the person is in immigration detention. Mm, all right, you mentioned social workers, Anderson. You know, and and I think that's one issue that 
any child rights NGO activists I've spoken to have said that is a huge problem here in Malaysia because we just don't have enough of them. We don't have the resources. Um, KPWKM, the Ministry of Women, Family and Community Development, has also said that they're struggling with this issue. So then who takes that responsibility if we don't have enough social workers from the government? I think it, it can be a shared responsibility. I mean, there is a lot of avenues to collaborate with NGOs like, uh, like ours, for example. Uh, you know, NGOs have been working closely with, for example, KPWKM, JKM and so on for many, many, many different issues uh, and uh, for a long time, you know, just dealing with the challenges faced by communities. Um, you know, so for us, when we were advocating for ATDs, for mm -hmm. example, we, we have been pushing for the fact that maybe children can be released, uh, you know, via uh, KPWKM or JKM. And then the NGOs come to support uh, these efforts, you know, in terms of placements, in terms of uh, the care of children. Uh, and so therefore, you have, uh, you know, a joint responsibility and a shared workload uh, to ensure that children are protected. Mm. And even when we do have these sorts of ATDs in place, right? What kind of support do we need to provide with these children, um, especially if you know they have had experience being placed in detention? Yeah, definitely. You will. I uh, mean, for any child who has been released from immigration detention, uh, they will need for medical interventions. Whether you're talking about physical intervention or mental health mm -hmm. related uh, interventions, uh, definitely you will need to look at placements, caregivers, if. Uh, you know, the focus is on children who are unaccompanied and separated, you know, separated, you know, to look at the developmental programs, whether it's education-based or skill-based programs. Definitely, there is a need for family tracing, especially if they mm -hmm. are unaccompanied and separated. Uh, need to look at legal status specifically in terms of just resolution, resolu finding resolutions to their situation, uh, as per what was mentioned, you know, so that... Uh, so that they know what is going on and what's happening in terms of uh, in terms of their status and, and plans for the future. Mm. You mentioned family tracing. Is that a huge problem here in Malaysia? Because that seems like something, I guess, for a lot of people who aren't familiar with it or if you follow the news, that seems like something you read about happening in the US, for example, right? Um, but is that something that happens here in Malaysia as well? I think if there are children in immigration detention who are unaccompanied and separated, so mm -hmm. obviously, uh, you know, family members could be somewhere, uh, whether they are, you know, in the community or back home in the home country or whatever it may be. Uh, so therefore, there will be effort and there must be effort in terms of family tracing because you want to preserve uh, the unity of the family and, uh, you know, not, not fall into the trap of separating families. So the family tracing process will need to be done, um, you know, as long as you have unaccompanied and separated minors within the community or in detention. Hmm. Do we have the resources to put in place alternatives to detention? Yes, I mean, uh, I think we've always advocated for uh, you know, a staggered release of children into the community, working with the government. Uh, I think the NGOs are definitely interested mainly because uh, you know, NGOs are generally uh, children-focused. Uh, and so therefore, uh, and, and there are already resources available in terms of what NGOs uh, together with the government, I mean, have been doing in the in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, whether you're looking looking at short-term residential care services, you're looking at foster uh, fostering type uh, services, you know, and so on, and uh, you know, and, and 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 therefore there is a need to do so. Uh, there's also a need to build capacity as well. I mean, if you, mm -hmm. if you think about it, I mean, if you're looking at what is best to the best interest of a child, and if they are 
children in immigration detention who requires that type of services, I think there is need to you know, raise resources and capacity to ensure that we're able to support these kids uh, you know, in the community. Mm. I also want to talk about public perception because that's always a challenge when we talk about migrant and refugee communities, um, including children, unfortunately. You know, there's still so much discrimination, so much, so much stigma towards them rather than what rather than what you would expect, compassion and empathy. How has how do you think that impacts, you know, a willingness to implement ATDs and how do we change public perception? I mean, to be honest, I think uh, I mean, the fact that we're talking about children, mm-hmm. uh, I, I believe that Malaysians do have a soft spot for children when it, com- when it comes to co- such conversations. And uh, I mean, we need to remember that when it comes to children, we're not talking about issues that compromises national security or talking about, you know, issues that threaten, you know, jobs and things like this within the local population. Uh, what we are talking about is children, how vulnerable they are in these circumstances, uh, you know, so therefore the conversation need to move to, you know, how do we protect them? How do we find resolution uh, to some of these kids? You know, if the child, for example, is an asylum seeker, then we need to look at, you know, the, you know, need to look at uh, their refugee status, for example. If the child, for example, is a, you know, is stateless, you know, and where maybe the mother could be a Malaysian, then we need to look at resolutions to uh, JPN, for example. Uh, if the child, for example, is uh, should go home because the family members are at home and there's need to reunify the family, uh, the child back home, then we're talking about repatriation, working with embassies and so on. That's the focus, you know, in terms of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where it should be. Then we are looking at a more protection, you know, child protection-centric kind of conversation rather than, you know, it's a you know, conversation about, you know, what we feel uh, threatened by, you know, because of, uh, you know, the important and the good we do for kids. Mm. The, I mean, these conversations are all sort of spearheaded by the Ministry of Home Affairs because these children are detained under immigration laws. Do you think it will make a difference to the tone of the conversation if the Ministry of Women, Family and Community Development takes over instead? No, I think it's because, we, I mean, when Malaysia you know, sign the CRC, mm-hmm. right? It is not just the responsibility of one particular ministry to look mm-hmm. at it. I think every element of the country, you know, government and beyond, mm-hmm. you know, looks at how the CRC is therefore applied to, you know, its laws, its processes, its policy and so on. So I think it is good that it comes from uh, the home ministry as well because mm-hmm. uh, this is where uh, you want the whole country to think about these situations. You know, immigration detention falls within the home ministry and so therefore here it's talking about, you know, just taking responsibility to the top population in immigration and looking at what is best for, you know, children uh, at this moment in this conversation uh, when it comes to some of these situations. Mm, it's a shared responsibility, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Mm. You spoke about a bit about how other countries have successfully implemented ATDs. Um, any examples of who we can learn from, whether, you know, is it our immediate neighbours or do we have to look further apart? We don't have to look very far. I mean, our <laughs> immediate neighbours are, you know, ahead of us. Mm. I mean, I think if you look at Thailand and Indonesia, they've adopted policies which are, 
you know, which uh, are slowly ending immigration detention. Uh, you know, for example, in Indonesia, they have a presidential decree uh, which stopped detaining children, and that's since 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, in Thailand, there is an intergovernmental MOU signed by seven different ministries uh, to release children from immigration into, uh, you know, and, and it's not just about children. I mean, they are releasing children with parents into, uh, you know, facilities run by the community and things like this. Uh, so therefore, we have our neighbours just, just right next to us who are doing what is right. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a lot of learning which we can do uh, for our country as well. Mm. So I guess in the meantime, you know, as we wait for the government to come up with a clearer plan that we can look at for um, ATDs to be put in place, especially for children, how do we improve, I guess, current conditions? What's a middle point that you see, you know, to reduce further harm upon children? I mean, to be honest, I don't see a middle point. I think, mm. I mean, as mentioned earlier, right, I mean, if you look at immigration detention, uh, you know, and it's not just about Malaysia, it's talk about, you know, throughout the world. Uh, you know, there are some facilities where they are better equipped. Mm -hmm. But the idea, as mentioned, right, about depriving a person of liberty, putting a person where there is a lot of uncertain, uncertainty and so on, is damaging to a person, it's damaging to a child. Uh, so therefore, whether you're putting in whatever resources, services, you know, even if you put in a school in immigration detention, you're putting in, uh, you know, services within the confines of, you know, uh, a deprived liberty, an uncertain position, and it is damaging in itself. You know, so to me, uh, the conversation should not be about how do we uh, improve or, you know, should, uh, you know, or what are services we need to provide mm -hmm. in immigration detention, not to say that there should not be any, uh, but the conversation should shift into having alternatives because that's where everyone else in the world is moving and we should also go there. So no no slowing things down. It's more straight towards the finish line of ending detention for children. Yes, because it's doable. Mm. You know, it's doable to have alternatives. Uh, you know, and so therefore it is not something where, you know, we have to wait very long uh, before we can achieve this. Mm. What's, I guess, your hope for the current administration when it comes to addressing this issue then as soon as possible? Or are you are you hopeful considering that the Home Minister recently said that they plan to, to move towards ATDs? Yeah, I mean, definitely hopeful. I think, uh, I, mean, I don't think it's just about this administration. I think over mm. the years, we have worked with various governments within, uh, you know, I mean, our governments. Uh, and uh, we've always, in our conversation, has always had positive conversations, you know, in term, when it comes to children and immigration detention. Uh, I suppose it is, you know, how do you get these system and structures going, you know, how do you get people to understand what these alternatives, how do you get people to understand, you know, that there are other ways of doing so. I think these are, you know, things that has to have to be done, uh, but definitely hopeful from what we hear uh, in terms of the initiative by the Home Ministry. And this is something where we have to support and, uh, and you know, in various ways, in practical and tangible ways as well. What have been the barriers, I think, to implementing ATDs? Is it a matter of just not knowing what to do or 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 but because like you say, right, it's not a matter of resources. 
I mean, to me, if you ask me, the barrier to implementing ATD is sometimes the lack of understanding and perception to what ATD would mean. Mm -hmm. uh, people get confused to think that, you know, oh, uh, releasing a person from immigration detention is about, you know, citizenship. It's not. It's really about finding case resolution so that they are able to, you know, to get the status which they should be getting. You know, whether you're, as, as mentioned, right, whether if you're a stateless person, you know, or refugee or, you know, a person who, you know, who needs to go home or whatever it may be, it's really finding these resolutions for them. And so therefore, but, but I think there is a lot of lack of understanding mm -hmm. to assume that, you know, all these things will, you know, will affect our national security or whatever it may be, which is far from the truth. Uh, you know, and, and I think once we get through some of these hurdles and start looking at the best interests of the child, start looking at what is child protection, uh, you know, I think then we will get there. Mm. So then I guess looking big picture, right? What's, what would you like to see us do better when it comes to the welfare and well-being of all children, but especially the vulnerable ones, um, and that includes migrant and refugee children? Yeah, I mean I, I, I mean, I mentioned earlier that, you know, what I would like to see is that we see children, uh, you know, as children, regardless of status. I think this is an important starting point which we need to see. All children, regardless of stat status, have rights. And, uh, you know, we're a signatory of CRC, as mentioned. Uh, so therefore, if we start looking at children uh, as children, then we start adopting policies and, and programs and services that is uh, to the best interest of all kids. And, and that's what, you know, at the end, what we want to see uh, in the country here, in mm. the country. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Anderson. Okay, thank you so much. I've been speaking to Anderson Selvasegram, Executive Director of Suka Society, and we've been talking about why children shouldn't be in detention centres. If you missed any part of today's show or any previous Live and Learn episodes, you can download our podcasts on bfm.my or on the BFM app. I'm Lim Suan and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.